Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. August is here and the focus is set on the 23-24 school year and sports seasons. Fast pitch, football, cross country, volleyball all kick off the sports campaigns for the year. But not far behind is the basketball season. And the guest I have on today knows what it takes to be the last team standing. On this episode, I have Edmund North Boys Basketball and back-to-back 6A state champion coach, Scott Norris. And here's our conversation. All right, Coach, thanks for taking time. I know it's the summer, but I appreciate you taking a little bit of time and visit with me today. No, thanks for reaching out and having me on. I appreciate it. Now, what kind of sacrifices are you are you guys making to the basketball gods there at Edmund North? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten some really good players. Uh, you know, this group's been together, I guess, you know, Warlick played his freshman year and we made it to the semis then this group that better will graduate in 24 is just, just been a tremendous group to work with and you've got to have good players to do what we've been doing so extremely fortunate and you know gotten lucky at the right times i guess but you know the kids have been committed to working and doing the things on a daily basis to get better too uh, it's a good ride and you know we're just uh you know going to try to ride it as long as we can here yeah. Now, this past season, it was the second in the back-to-back. What was kind of the keys to the success this past season, kind of having that target on your back the whole time? Uh, just, you know, we've really just committed to, you know, not talking about, you know, the end goal, uh, but really just what we needed to do every day, you know, to get better and uh, trying to get a 1% better each day and mm-hmm. uh, create – championship habits uh you know uh, you know there's a lot of people that i mean every team <clears throat> starts a year wanting to win a state championship and mm-hmm. uh you know we break it down to what do we need to do on a daily basis to get there so uh you know we weren't defending a title uh you know we took it as we were we were hunting another one you mm-hmm. know we had a couple you know we had some kids that you know weren't a part of our first championship and so they were trying to get their first ring and uh, you know, so we just kind of took the mentality that we are hunting for another championship because, you know, if you're defending something, that means somebody can take it away from you. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nobody can take, you know, 2022 or 2023 away from us now. So uh, we're just hunting that next one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. I mean, because I mean, plus I bet your turnover, you know, I mean, I you didn't totally redo the team, but like you said, you're going to have new players and kids wanting to be a part of that i mean that's right that's always kind of yeah you know in 2022 we graduated one senior that played quite a bit Mm -hmm. uh and then don trail year year be moved in uh from northwest class and was a great addition for us and this past year you know we had five seniors but tj strong was the only senior that played significant minutes so uh you know you know we've the core has been the same and you know but then you know, into school, we lose T.O. Barrett that decided, you know, to, to be in his best interest to go to Link Academy. So, you know, we have to deal with those things now, too, as, you know, mm-hmm. prep school one and kids going here and there. But, you know, we've been able, you know, this summer, uh, Keontae Tramble, you know, moved into our school district and has been a, a great addition for us. And, uh, you know, I actually kind of feel like offensively we're probably going to be better than what we've been the last two years. Uh, 
you know, but defensively, we've been really good. We've been really strong and physical, especially at the guard spot. So, uh, you know, we've got to figure out how to stop some people going forward. Yeah. Now you talk about, you know, kids kind of moving in and, and, and moving out. How do you kind of, because I'm sure that's something that you probably have to deal with every year at a school that big. Um, how do you kind of deal with like the chemistry? How, how do you feel like you're, you kind of get your well, team chemistry where it needs to be? Yeah, it's tough because in the Oklahoma City area now, I mean, it's it's very rampant. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. kids going here and there. Uh, but we've got a great core. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, when we lost in the semifinals in 2021, I don't feel like our culture was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we graduated 10 seniors off of that team. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of, you know, introspection introspection and looking at ourselves and we changed some things culture wise uh you know with the group coming in you know we, you know, we had a lot of young kids so we spent a lot of time together that summer and really tried to set the tone of what who we wanted to be and what values and principles we wanted to base our program on and you know that core is still here so any kids that come up you know freshmen into sophomores or a, a new player coming in they they see that um, that culture set already and that work ethic and what it takes, you know, every day to be a champion and they just buy in. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really the one having to, you know, convince them of anything. They see what the standard is and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the expectations and they just kind of, you know, if they're, you know, if they're great basketball players and great kids, they want to come in and be the best they can be. So they see what standard we have and they mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, push their level. Boy, that that does make it a whole lot easier as a coach. Whenever the you, the kids n- know what they have to do and they're willing to do it, I mean that that's that's almost half the battle in some places. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and Dylan Warlick has set that tone from from day one. I mean, he's you know a tremendous example of a kid that just comes in and works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he doesn't you know talk very much. He's not emotional on the floor or anything. He just puts in the work. And you know, we've got you know. Bryce Potts has been a workaholic with, with getting better. And, you know, Tatum Ridge has been in our program four years. So we have a lot of kids that are so committed and, and just so, I guess, experienced now. But mm-hmm. it's worn off on those young kids because they've seen the success. And like I said, it's easy when you've been at a high level and you want at a high level that kids come in and, you know, accept the standard that you have. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of go back a little bit. You kind of talked about it. You said you you were beat out in the semis in 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 twenty one. Avenged losses to the teams you beat out the following season. One back to back. Talk a little bit about the resiliency of your kids to step up to not only like overcome an obstacle from the previous year, but to continue to win with that target on their backs. Yeah, that the the twenty one twenty two season when we won our first one. I mean, it really. A, a big thing for us was getting over the hump of beating Memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we had lost 10 in a row to them since I'd come to North. And, uh, you know, we lost two games early in December, you know, one in overtime and one, I think, by, you know, three or four points or something. But then we mm-hmm. got over the hump at their place, uh, you know, the last week of the season of, of, in 22. And I think that gave our kids confidence that, mm-hmm. hey, we can we can we can do this uh we'd had a great season but you know still beating memorial was one of those things that we just you know we had to get off our you know off our back and of course we 
you know, we come, we beat them on Tuesday night, then we go to Santa Fe on Thursday or Friday, and they beat us at the buzzer. And you know, I feel like they celebrated a little excessively, but uh, <laughs> you know, kind of gave us some motivation. It was a weird season because uh, we won six in a row, then lost, won six in a row and lost, and then mm-hmm. finished the season winning six in a row to win win state. So yeah. uh, they just had a belief in themselves and. Uh, you know, we carried that over having, you know, almost everybody back going into the, you know, 23 season. Uh, expectations were high. Uh, you know, I felt like our kids raised their bar of how they wanted to work. And uh, we put them in situations early to play, you know, some really tough teams with scrimmages. And then we went to Duncanville, Texas, the first two games of our season and mm. <laughs> played, <laughs> played a Dallas, two Dallas teams and one. Uh, Faith Family Academy that had, you know, I think seven kids that, that held Division One offers. And, you know, yeah. we missed a shot at the buzzer that would have beat them. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had a lot of confidence going in. And, uh, you know, we lose to Crossings in tournament champions. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a wake-up call or what. I mean, Crossings was a great team and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, played a great game. And, you know, we, we weren't very good. Uh, but after that, you know, we put together an 18 game winning streak. So, yeah. uh, things worked out. I mean, we had some, we had some tough games, especially late that could have gone either way. And, you know, kind of got, I mean, kind of got lucky some, you know, if Mustang had to hit free throws in the regional final, they beat us, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Choctaw had us beat in the semifinals of state. And, you know, we just kept always finding a way to get it done. Yeah. But and that, that's what it's about, you know. Those early season kind of, you know, saying you weren't very good. Somebody, you got to figure yourself out, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, you know, the our first run in twenty twenty two. I mean, those kids were young, and uh, people didn't expect us to really get it done. So they kind of had a chip on their shoulder too. And, yeah. Uh, you know, when I mean Dylan Morley, it's just such a, you know, a man inside that, uh, you know it was easy to play off of him and, mm-hmm. and be able to create some good offense for everybody else through him. Yeah. Now this, this past season, I read in an article that so you guys trailed at halftime in the state championship game. What was that halftime speech like? And what was that second half like? Oh, I mean, Broken Arrow started out, they were really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I just, you know, we had to settle in. Uh, they hit some shots and, you know, we battled back. I think we got within five. I think it was a five-point game at half. But mm-hmm. just at halftime, was, I mean, I told them all through playoffs that, you know, in big big situations, you know, great players are going to make plays. And I just felt like our players were better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we were going to end up making plays. It, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't so much a strategy thing. I mean, uh, you know, I felt like we had to take away that they, they were leaning on their three-point shot a lot and we had to take that away and, and I just didn't feel like they attacked us very hard inside mm-hmm. and then we were able to make some plays and you know um, I think experience was big for us in that you know uh, we've been there and, and I don't think we lost composure or anything so it was just kind of there wasn't any magical adjustment at halftime is more just hey trust in them and mm-hmm. hey we're gonna we're gonna find a way to get it done and you know T.O. hit some big shots you know, uh, in the second half, and Dylan was really good. And I think defensively in the second half, as far as being able to help and recover and, and get some deflections was the best that, that we had been all season. 
in those moments, in those championship games, <clears throat> do you ever feel the – do you ever have time to be nervous? Um, not not really. I've always been one that I've been okay during games, but as soon as the game's over, I <laughs> yeah. sweat like a pig. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do remember in the semifinal game against Choctaw, I think there was a time, I don't know, a couple minutes left in, the, in regulation, I was like, man, it's over. I mean, we're not going to get this done. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, kind of snapped out of it. And again, our guys made plays and, you know, we ended up getting a stop, uh, you know, at the end of regulation and go into overtime and we kind of dominated the overtime. So, you know, I, I feel like in those, in those moments in that, in the championship game or whatever, we just, you've really just got to trust your kids because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we had a, you know, a 45 minute or hour prep, you know, practice that morning. And it's not like, you know, your normal two-day prep going into a Tuesday or Friday game, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they actually ran a set that I chose not to go over in, in pregame and, you know, they scored on it. Uh, but it's just more there, just kind of trusting your kids and being able to, you know, hopefully put them in, in places where they can make plays for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now also in that coaching at a school, the size of Edmond North, how important is your coaching staff to your program? Oh, it's, it's big time. I've got a great staff. Um, you know, Corbin Byford does a great job with our inside guys. And, and, you know, Justin Smart is a great film guy. And then Coach Mitchell does our freshmen and just prepares them extremely well. But we do, uh, you know, they're preparing, you know, two, three games in advance. So it, it really in that three wow. game, you know, three day uh, tournament, you know, our staff's got to be great because yeah. you know we've got to be we've got to be prepared, you know, for you know six other teams, you know, mm-hmm. going forward. You can't really wait till you know the day of or whatever to have prep. So they, you know, as soon as we know who our opponent is for the next day, they're giving me their pre scout, and then, you know, I'll watch film and make adjustments however I need to. But wow. uh, you know, our staff does our staff does a great job of being who they are. Mm-hmm. and them using their strengths to make us all better. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think it, you know, schools your size, or schools in any size, I think your your staff is is very vital to the success of your program. You can usually tell if a staff's not on the same page or, you know, if somebody's really not holding up their end of the bargain. <clears throat> right. And it's, I mean, we're, you know, I mean, I feel like our staff's really good friends. I mean, we just, yeah. Yeah. We hang out together, even though, mm-hmm. you know, Corbin Byford and Justin Smart weren't born when I started coaching. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, we're just, we're close and, and, you know, we've all been, we've been together, you know, Corbin and, and Coach Mitchell have been with me all, all five years. Justin's been here four, you know, so we kind of, we know, you know, we know our responsibilities and what we need to do and, you know, what our expectations are. Who were some of the people that, had an impact on you becoming a coach? Uh, my high school coach was, was huge for me. Uh, mm-hmm. he came, Roy Green came in my freshman year of high school I was, where I was going to be a freshman. and uh, You know, I was kind of a, a bench guy, B-team guy in junior high, and he saw something in me, uh, you know, where I was going to be a freshman and and really, you know, from told me I was going to be great. You know, ended up playing JV as a freshman, and uh, you know, ended up being a two-time All-State or Missouri. But he just had such confidence in me, uh, mm-hmm. and that's 
from there, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a coach. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then I had the opportunity to play for Coach Hoffman uh, my senior year uh, at college at OBU, and then I worked for him for three. Uh, and he, you know, offensively is probably the best, if not the best, one of the best offensive minds, you know, in the country at any level. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been fun to have him back here at UCO. And, you know, when I'm struggling with something, I give him a call and, you know, can bounce things off of him. And, uh, you know, Dan Hayes at OC at one time in my, you know, in my playing career at OBU, I hated him. I hated his guts because uh, <laughs> yeah. he was our rival. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've, we've, you know, when Coach Hoffman came in, he was really good friends with Coach Hayes. And that just, you know, I, I was able to meet him and really get to know him and what kind of man he is. And then my, my oldest son played for him at OC and a uh, tremendous amount of respect for him. And, you know, he's in, him and coach Hoffman are the ones like, if I've got, a, if I got something going on, I'm calling, you know, both of them and coach Hayes is we've sat down and X node and everything. And so those two had the biggest influence on me and then working for Cheryl Burnett at Missouri state. I mean, she took a mid major at, at it was Southwest Missouri State then, the two Final Fours, just something that's unheard of in women's basketball and uh, Hall of Fame coach. And, you know, defensively, you know, her mentality and then how she prepared and organized her program is something that, that really, you know, that I took to heart. So those those three are my biggest influence as far as ones that, you know, I was hands-on with and in person. But, you know, I've always – you know, Tom Izzo at Michigan State, I've taken stuff from Roy Williams. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, there's been coaches, all coaches that you, you know, research and learn from, yeah. but, you know, yeah. you don't really know them. Yeah. Now, uh, your, the girls' basketball program there, I mean, they kind of followed the same path as, as you guys have. How <laughs> they, they've, been, they've been better. Well, yeah, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice. But how how have both programs kind of fed off of each other? Because it just seems like it would be competitive but supportive at the same time. How do you kind of see that dynamic being? You know, you know really at a school or size, it's 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 separate. You know, I, well, I yeah. you know I, at times I wish we were at a you know a class A or two A where we're riding the bus together and stay, yeah. you know, but it's not that way. But there's such a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only between me and coach coach Pete, but our kids, our kids are all friends. And, you know, I have one player Bates, one of his players. So there's yeah. such a mutual respect and we see the work that they put in and the effort they put into it. It's just a, uh, you know, being extremely happy for them and the success they have. Uh, and then both programs also being able to focus on themselves, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and not get lost in what the other other programs doing but really focus on themselves and be the best that they can be themselves so it's been a it's been a a great ride it's been really fun you know for me being a former college girls coach it's been fun to watch such a high level of girls basketball so yeah um you know it's great coach pete you know he definitely has a system and what he believes in and he does such a good job of of getting those girls to you know number one play hard yeah Uh, you know they're they're tough and you know uh, they they work extremely hard, so it's been fun to be able to watch such a high level. Now you you mentioned that about coaching at the college level. What what is the, I mean, the the talent wise is always going to be different. But what what's like the major differences that you've noticed in being a college coach and being a high school coach? Oh, you know, I, I, 
you know, I feel like at the, at the college level, I was their parent too. Yeah. You know, they weren't, you know, they weren't going home to their mom and dad at night or, you know, whatever. So if something happened in the dorm, I was, you know, I was the one that everybody was calling and I had to be up there. And so it's definitely, you know, it's more of a 24 seven, you know, hmm. and mm-hmm. then you add on to the recruiting aspect of it. Uh, you know, I think college basketball and being a college basketball coach is really their life. Uh, yeah. and that's what I struggled with that my family was, was, you know, third or fourth mm-hmm. on the list. So, I, you know, I had to make a decision to put them first. So, uh, you know, and then, you know, of course, you know, you have better, you have more resources at, at the college level and you could bring in players or get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the talents. Yeah. You have kids that were all studs on their, on their high school team, but you know, I just, the time commitment and, and all that for me, it just it just wasn't worth it. And yeah. I really admire, you know, men and women that can that can balance that because I just never could. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Now, do you think the the five fouls is going to have a major impact on the flow of the game? And how far behind do you think the play clock is? Because you know, you guys at six A, you're going to be the the guinea pigs with the shot clock. Yeah. Well, I I, I, I wish we had the shot clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this past weekend in Kansas City, we played twice with a 30-second shot clock, mm. and I only noticed it one time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the shot clock adds a lot, especially to the last couple minutes of the game, uh, where, you know, if you have a, a five-point lead with a minute and a half left, you you know, you, you can't just hold the ball, you know, for 45 seconds or a minute. Or, mm-hmm. you know, me is, you know, if you're down five, you don't have to go ahead and foul. You can, you know, Mm-hmm. Get your kids to really dig in and try to get a defensive stop. Uh, the five foul every quarter. I don't. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. Uh, you know. I know they. You know they put it into the college girls game to try to speed it up, but it hasn't sped it up. So I don't know why. I really don't know why we went to it. Yeah. Um, it it adds some different things at the end of the quarter. You know, at the end of a quarter, if you only have three fouls, you know, at the end of the, you know, first quarter, do you? You know, when there's seven seconds on the clock, you foul, uh, you know, and make them take the ball out. But, you know, I don't – it's it's just a weird thing that I feel like just came out of the blue all of a sudden that, you know, I, I just don't know why we, we can't get every level playing kind of the same brand of basketball. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know how it will affect it. It will be interesting. But to them saying that – you know, it's so physical on free throw blockouts and this and that. I've been coaching 32 years. I've never seen anything happen on a free throw blockout. I don't know who yeah. keeps saying that. Yeah, I knock mean, on I, wood. I've I never mean, seen an injury on free throws. If it is, right. I don't. Wrong. I mean, I don't know who's saying it's so physical right there. I mean, it's physical every possession of the game. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, kids are blocking out. They're blocking out. They're doing their job. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how... I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, Memorial Summer League has, has played with it, you know, this summer. I mean, you know, if you're a team that doesn't foul very much, I think it can be at an advantage. But then there's been games that, you know, six minutes left in the quarter and they, they've already got five fouls and we're shooting two shots every time. So, that's, yeah, that's uh, that's the only thing that I worry about is going to make some games three hours long. You yeah, know. I definitely could do that. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. I just I, I just don't know where it came from. Yeah. Why, why the change also. As the and new – And they also oh. have a uh, – you know, the referees have been talking like, have you talked to your kids about on a 
the opponents are throwing the ball and you have to stand back three feet. I'm like, well, that's always been a rule. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that hasn't been a rule. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's always been a rule. We just haven't enforced it. So I guess now they're going to, you know, enforce that. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know, who knows what it, how it goes. I mean, if we add the shot clock, that gives officials, you know, something else they've got to pay attention to. And I know there's an <laughs> argument about, you know, how are we going to teach somebody to press that button when the ball hits the rim? I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I do the play clock in football, and it took me all of like 15 seconds to figure it out. So, yeah, you know, I I think we have a lot of excuses, and we just, you know, hey, jump in and let's let's go for it. Yeah, yeah, just let's just go ahead and do it. You know, I mean, that's the way I feel on that. All right, do you think the the new district alignments? Do you think that's going to affect things more? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate that. I know Edmonds kind of pushing to have all three Edmonds schools in different districts. So that means, yeah. you know, if we play Edna Memorial in the regular season and it's a non-district game, it really means nothing. So I hate mm. that, you know, we could have a rivalry game that really means nothing. Um, you know, to me, I wish we could have our schedule now, work off of last year's ADM. I mean, not having a schedule really probably until yeah. mid to late September is going to be tough, you know how you break the districts down with boys and girls team. I mean, you know, we're fortunate that both our boys and girls teams are good, but what do you do with that team that one of them's dominant, one of them's, you know, average? I mean, how do you put them in the same district? So there's a lot of, a lot of questions, a lot of things that have to be ironed out. We just jumped into it, you know, really quick. So it's kind of, you're going to, you're going to make this be learning on the fly. And yeah, it'll, I mean, who knows how it'll go. I mean, yeah, it's. I almost wish they would have. I mean, I guess that's okay doing the district thing, but I wish they would have given everyone, or especially you guys, like a year or two to kind of get things set because there's going there's your scheduling is going to be off for a lot of right. like especially like yeah, the, it, it, the, it's tough. I mean, like we had scheduled uh, some non-conference games with Carl Albert and with West Class, and that we you know can't do now. Yeah, uh, we were trying to schedule Dale, and that fell through. So I mean. You know, I like the fact that, you know, 14 district games are will de- decide playoffs and we don't have to go by a ranking or anything else. I like that, but I just, you know, I think the process, there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of issues come up that we're just diving headfirst right into it. So, yeah. um, you know, it could be crazy for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, Coach, I got one final question for you before I let you go. Okay, so – the Edmund fill in the blank at the end of this statement. The Edmund North Huskies three peat this next season if <laughs> Oh man. You know, I guess if we can just score more points than everybody else. <laughs> there you uh, go. That's that's a no, good answer. That's a good I mean, answer. If, if we can if we can you know nobody's three peated in six A. Uh, so oh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work harder and do things different than any other team has and that's you know, if we have a commitment to those things and our, if we come every day and focus on our habits and our values of our program, and then then things will fall into place, you know. And any given night, somebody can beat you. So mm-hmm. uh, we just got to kind of trust the process and trust each other and, uh, you know, and just see what happens. I mean, we you know, we're going to go prepare and and do the same things we've been doing and, and try to do it at a higher level than what we've been doing it. So, uh, you know, we'll have a great season either way. 
you know, if we can just focus on our daily habits and, and, and just be there for each other and, and trust our teammates and trust the process. All righty. That's a good answer. Well, coach, I appreciate you visiting with me and I'll definitely be keeping up with the Edmund North Huskies this upcoming season. All right. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Coach Norris for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. Also, don't forget about Not So Instant Replay this Wednesday at noon. You can go to the Kenny and the Coaches website, which you can find a link in the description below. You can also check out the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page, and also, if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time. <laughs>